0: Welcome to the Only One Business Show with me, your host, James Nathan, chatting to some of the UK's leading business professionals, sharing tips, insights, and advice on how to create amazing customer experiences whilst building bigger, better, and more profitable businesses as a result. What can you do in your business today and in the years to come to truly delight your clients? What exceptional experiences can you give them to take away and cherish? How can you delight the most important person in the world? Satisfaction makes you one of many. Delighting clients makes you the only one. And you can't be just one. You have to be the only one. Hello and welcome to the Only One Business Show with me, your host, James Nathan. And today I've got a great guest for you coming all the way from New York City. She is known as the Tech Humanist and is helping humanity prepare for an increasingly tech-driven future by teaching businesses how to make technology that's better for humans. She's led innovations across technology marketing operations for more than 20 years in companies from startups to Fortune 500s. Among her prior achievements, she created the first content management role at Netflix, developed Toshiba America's first intranet, led cutting-edge online optimization work at magazines.com and was the founder and CEO of Metamarketer, a first-of-its-kind analytics and digital strategy agency. Her insights have been featured in outlets like Wired and she's appeared as an expert commentator on NPR, BBC World News and many, many others. Companies like Google and Etsy and Cisco and many more look to her for optimism about the role of technology in the world around us and for a firm reality check her recent book the tech humanist how to make technology better for business and better for humans is out now and uh, delighted to welcome Kate O'Neill Kate hi how are you
1: oh good James thank you so much for the kind intro
0: Ah, uh, you're very welcome and uh and technology at the moment as we're all quarantined is must be a and you are you bored yet talking about tech or I guess you love talking about it anyway don't you
1: I do I think you you have to love the area you're in right it has to be it has to come from a really genuine place and I think a moment like this really gets me uh, uh in in some ways excited about there's there's so much potential for technology there's always so much potential for technology to enrich human lives and right now it's kind of all we've got to enrich our yeah, lives
0: so, true. yeah <laughs> you know I was looking at your bio earlier and thinking right net, I'm sat at home Netflix <laughs> I've got right, right. I mean, this is this is you know but there there is there are great ways of using tech to in much more human ways aren't there
1: yeah yeah so you know so much of what I do is around um thinking about and talking about and writing about the impact of emerging technologies on the future of meaningful human experiences. And what that means in in practice is often about uh, when it takes the the shape of um, how businesses engage with it. It's digital transformation. It's thinking about how what businesses offer into the market in products or services can be, you know, kind of up to speed with customer expectations and and what the market is is needing. So, you know, Netflix is a, is a great example of a of a type of of product that had a very different shape and modality. You know, kind of early on. Of course, we all knew it as a DVD rental company mm-hmm. prior to it becoming a streaming co- streaming company, and then yeah. now, of course, it's also a content development. Company very much so. So, uh, very interesting uh, sort of shape that that Netflix as a company and a, and a brand has taken, but it also speaks to the opportunity to to use the data that they collect to make better decisions about what can be the most engaging content that they create and and dig in more deeply into offering something that that is a, a more engaging enriching experience for people obviously that's a little bit of a frivolous offering compared to you know solving more urgent problems of the human experience but i think sure. it still speaks to what the opportunities are
0: but they're the kind of things that uh that just makes little bits of your life so much better i mean you finish your box set and you go right what shall i watch next and it gives <laughs> you an idea of the kind of thing you might like i mean i i'm I, ridiculous I, I listen to so many uh audio books and I'm forever looking for the next listen and you know it's great when when Audible tells me these are ones you might like based on my previous experience I like that what I don't love is going on to Facebook and be suddenly thrashed with different uh, advertising around it
1: yeah that's that's the pros and cons of the whole thing, right? I mean, and I think yes. there's even even when we think about what uh, the, the, the world we live in and the data that's collected about all of our actions and movements and preferences and the indicators that we make by the things that we say online and the things that we click and then the relationships we have and so on, all of those things generate data. And increasingly, all of our experiences are shaped by that data in terms of algorithmic optimization. And that, I think when when most people think about that, it can kind of go two ways. They can think positively like, hey, I, I really enjoy Netflix making recommendations to me or Audible or Spotify or whatever. I really like that I get to discover new content. And that's, mm-hmm. that is truly one of the upsides of, of having this kind of data-rich, algorithmically optimized set of experiences. The flip side is, of course, the overreach of data and algorithms into aspects of human life that it's not really ready for, like criminal justice, for example, and the algorithmic bias that comes into play in mm-hmm. how those uh, algorithms play out in making decisions about law enforcement things like that 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 show clear bias uh along lines that are are human bias it's it's our own human bias that we have encoded into the data models and into the data sets and into the algorithms that plays out at scale um so you know both of those things are true at the same time it's a it's a good experience and a bad experience and then even to that sort of uh thing that you're talking about where we don't like the creepiness of feeling like we're being followed by advertising online. All of that is true at the same time. And so the opportunity I think is to really accept and integrate the, the truth of all that and optimize the world, you know, kind of focus on making the best experiences happen within what's possible with the data that we're collecting and the algorithms that we're developing and make sure that we're catching ourselves as we encode uh, biases into data sets and algorithms, make sure we're pulling that out. And, and so many great scholars are out there, you know, doing the work of of recognizing harmful algorithmic bias that's happening across, sure. you know, systemic injustices that already exist. And we're just amplifying them through algorithms and through AI. So I think, you know, that work is incredibly important. But I think what we have the opportunity to do is pull that back and say, you know, what, what can we do that actually looks forward to creating more meaningful human experiences and and adjust the work that's been done, move us forward in a positive way. So I, that's a lot of what the, the work that I do is always focused on trying to find the optimistic future in in all of this and not yep. not allow ourselves to follow fall into the dystopian nightmare <laughs> that well we i guess to with,
0: with anything like this it's um you know you, you started to, you talked there about the, you know biases and law enforcement mm-hmm. and then you, you start to drop down massive wormholes and it start it does it does freak you a bit you think goodness you know you know if we get this wrong at the beginning where does it end up But also, this technology isn't that old. I mean, this stuff is, you talked about Netflix moving from disc to to stream. Well, Mm -hmm. you know, it couldn't stream originally because the streaming just wasn't, you know, unless you wanted to sit there and watch the little wheel spin, it wasn't going to work. Um, Right. You know, so technology moves. I guess the businesses are able to do what they do based on the technology. But this AI stuff is only a few years old
1: well in some ways some ways uh artificial intelligence as a discipline has been around for decades uh and uh-huh. and there have been uh computer scientists who have been working in that space for a long time but of course as you say you know if you think about the the capacity of the technology to be able to support what what's being developed to your point you couldn't have you know netflix streaming all this content in 1999 when they were renting dvds by mail it just wasn't mm-hmm. the, the infrastructure wasn't there so in the same way the infrastructure wasn't really there to support the kinds of ai speculation that was happening in say the 1980s but yep. now we're getting to the point where the the technology infrastructure does uh, better support what's speculative and we can begin to to put some of that in place. but it is preliminary uh, a, bit, a lot of the, the the thinking has gone on about it, but a lot of the practice hasn't really been applied and when when we get to a place where that's uneven, I think we start to see you know some some things play out in in some creaky ways that <laughs> that we have to go back and, and adjust. So we do have this problem of, you know, uh, encoding our own selves into mm-hmm. the data we, we model and the algorithms we develop and the programs we develop. And that's for good or bad. You know, I think a lot of our, our um like I said, our, our biases get encoded, but our values get encoded too, you know, for better or worse. And I think that's, that's the real opportunity is for us to be very intentional about encoding values that are very human centric, that are all about, you know, optimizing for the best of what humanity is up for is capable of, and and giving us more meaningful experiences to engage with.
0: But then we start talking about value judgments, don't we? And then there's a, there's true. a whole world of uh, of difference there as well as and, and and cultural difference, I guess, as well.
1: True, that is true. So you know, I think that that's going to come down to you know some ethicists need to be involved in that discussion, and and fortunately there are. Uh, a number of people who are stepping up, who have good, great backgrounds for that discussion, and uh, you know, s- uh, sort of guiding us in the right directions around thinking holistically about ethics as it applies to technology and to AI specifically, uh, and data privacy and things like that. So we need to have that rigorous discussion, and it needs to be represented in the regulations that get put in place within localities, within government, uh, you know, country governments, and so on. But I think, you know, in general, the 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 kind of unifying principle is that what what is good for the for humanity as a whole is what we need to kind of agree on at a baseline. Like there's I think of uh, I, I come back to the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals as the baseline roadmap for how we can let technology be led in the future, that those 17 goals that the United Nations identified. As improving life on Earth leading up to the year 2030 hmm. include things like you know gender equality and uh, reduction of poverty and improvement of uh, planet qualities like life on land, life in, below sea, and and lots of other characteristics that kind of universally improve the quality of life for every human on the planet. And I think if you if you have something that's so uh, in a way, apolitically addresses what the the human experience is and gives a roadmap to how to improve the human experience. Then we have the beginnings of something we can all hopefully agree on. How you play that out in different ways, sure. Then we come down to you know values, interpretations, and uh, local differences, cultural differences, and so on. But there's there's a um, there's a kind of universality to the human experience when it comes to how we each, you know, kind of live uh, in reality, in in, in the, the tangible characteristics of human life. And those are the things that we need to make sure we're, we're making better.
0: Absolutely. I mean, they, if you look at those UN development goals, I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to say, no, I don't want that. Right, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs>
1: it's,
0: uh, most, Peace most on people, earth? What
1: kind of nonsense is that?
0: Yeah, how dare you? <laughs> um, you know, it's... I don't know. Go back to Star Trek days as a child <laughs> watching that. Um, but yeah, where where does this lead us? Because the technology is good. We were talking earlier about you know coronavirus and the world we're living in right now. And you know, it, I, I can't help but thinking two two important things. One is thank goodness it's the summer here and the kids you know can go outside. It's not lashing with rain all the time. Mm-hmm. But secondly, the tech is good enough that you know people can work from home even businesses who said they could never work you know never work remotely obviously can stuff like zoom and skype and all those things make that better google classrooms all these things it, the tech is is good enough to allow us to work remotely and to live a little bit more remotely than we'd like to where does it shift to next where we are now is great but how do we go where do, where do we end up with all of this
1: well i think that you're right that this this is playing out very differently in very practical ways than uh, I would imagine the human experience of the Spanish flu in 1918 was, for example. Yeah, right. uh, you know, it, it it is true that for many many people, the option to work at home and you know be be connected visually through Zoom and other you know visual platforms it, is there, and that 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 pivot has happened for for many types of companies, and I don't think that it will be fully going back right i think we can expect that more companies will have uh, embraced at least some hybrid of work from home program and what it's going to look like uh, to support a remote workforce and and to manage teams that are distributed. like those are really important things to understand. Uh, and they were already important things to understand. But I think this has forced the hand of a lot of leaders and gotten yeah. them into that game a lot more. So that that's good news, I think, because it it levels the playing field a bit more. and it, it means that people um, can have more opportunity in a more equally distributed way which is which is good and it also means that access to talent is is better you can get the talent that you need no matter where they are in the world which is fantastic well,
0: yeah, i think you know that that's a remarkable change and um i think that that uh well it's going to force people i think to be better leaders because you know mm-hmm. you you will have to lead in a different way to think more broadly about how you look after people and how you work with people and you, you can't have that kind of oversee control that you could perhaps have if someone was in a room with you. Um, Absolutely. Which, uh, the you
1: catch know. is though, I just want to, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I want to yeah. make sure that to to point out that I think there is a catch that uh, there has been more of a tendency toward surveillance that has accompanied that. So um, there's, mm-hmm. there's quite a few stories that uh, that my colleagues and I are sharing on Twitter and elsewhere about um Tools that sort of work as a third party to Zoom and other platforms that are tracking the productivity of employees in ways that are pretty creepy, I think, actually. Right. So, you know, that side of things is is not the best. So, I think I've seen a couple of companies that have done a really good job of laying out their values as it applies to this moment and what their working from home policies are going to be going forward, and a lot mm-hmm. of them have to do with a. A very balanced approach to an understanding of mental health and readiness to to engage with this. That, that we're living, first of all, through a pandemic that has a lot of people in a very anxious and stressed state. Not to mention if they're actually sick or if mm-hmm. someone in their family is sick. Um, so there's a lot of uh, understanding within some of these companies' platforms to be able to say, "Hey, look, if you need to check out of meetings for the rest of the day, and you need to, you know." If you need to take a nap midday, if you need to stop having Zoom calls for the rest of the day, you have to make that call. Like we need to trust you to be the responsible, functioning adult who's going to decide for yourself, you know what what your level of engagement needs to be. And that's the nice counterpart. That's the good yeah. counterpart. To this, you know, overzealous surveillance piece that's come up.
0: Uh, you know, the, Kate, I think too. I must just be an optimist in life. I better mean, look at it and go, "Wow, that's great!" It gives because I, I, in my head, flexibility is what's important, um, and I love the fact that you know I, I've worked for myself for a long time. I've worked from an office in my garden, which is pretty cool. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I haven't missed a. I play at school, I have a Mr. Sports Day, I've been able to pick him up from when I, you know, th- these sort of things have been important to me in my life. And I kind of think, well, if I, you know, I've been able to do that, but I had to move to my own business to to achieve those things. Um, for others, maybe now there's opportunity and for businesses to to attract different styles of people and perhaps a more diverse range of people based on their ability to to give some flexibility. The bit I don't like, and, and the, in fact, you know, someone asked me what I thought of it yesterday and I used the word hate, is that I love... I need people and lots of people Mm -hmm. need that to be around people. I think the team's system, working with people, being engaged across desks, that's important stuff too. And we mustn't lose sight that just because we don't have to have it doesn't mean we shouldn't have it.
1: Right. And we're not, I think, you know, that's going to be a really interesting uh, experiment over the next, let's call it year, right? Like Mm -hmm. what does it look like to try to bring small groups of people back together um because there is nothing that substitutes for the proximity of people. I think for mm. for all of our our big talk about how we're, you know, ready to work in a virtual world, <laughs> it's like we come back to this, you know, very human need for our senses to be engaged. Yeah. And if we're only connecting over Zoom or the equivalent, it's only engaging a few of our senses and there's a there's a whole kinesthetic aspect of it, you know, everything that we sort of sense around us physically is disengaged from the people mm-hmm. that we would otherwise be in proximity with. And I think that's a, it's a, a more powerful thing than we've tended to give credit to. So I think there's also gonna be some some very important innovations that come out of this. And, and uh, one of those is I, I look forward to seeing what kind of additional sensory work uh, is going to be done toward you know thinking about virtual experiences how do we replicate or recreate or at least approximate you know some of the additional mm-hmm. senses uh the engagement that we would get you and i are both speakers we know what it feels like to stand on a stage and kind of feel the energy of the room of the audience They you know that are gathered in place Absolutely, yeah. and that you just can't substitute for that there are wonderful tricks and techniques that we're all starting to learn as we speak in more virtual events in this mm-hmm. limited context um for kind of quasi feeling the energy of the crowd that's gathered on your virtual event but it's not the same that it will never be the same so I it's think uh, you yeah. know. go it, ahead it,
0: yeah. I, I was talking that yesterday with, with with a friend of mine who, who's been speaking in the states for a long time and they, he was saying exactly the same thing which is uh, I can do it I don't want to do it um, <laughs> you know I, I can and if I have to I will but I'm it's not me at my best you know, and when we work, for most of us, the passion we have for what we do means that we want to be and always strive to be the best of what we can be. And sometimes this sort of thing limits that. And I think for me, it limits it massively. I don't enjoy it in any way the same way. Um, and work has to be fun, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, and I even I even feel when I'm speaking to smaller groups, sometimes I'm not as kind of engaged with the energy as when I have a, a larger audience. So I mean, even even that the difference mm-hmm. between a gathering of thirty people versus a gathering of three hundred or three thousand, you know, there's such a difference in the sort of electrical jolt that I feel um, yeah. from that gathering of people. So yeah, so I mean, the 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 then try, trying to translate that to how do you sit in front of your computer screen or maybe even stand in front of your computer screen and try to connect with the virtual people, the people who are connected to you virtually that you can yeah. sometimes not even see, that you only see maybe you know a list of attendees at best and then you are trying to reproduce that kind of energy I think it's yep. just going to be very it's going to be an ongoing challenge
0: but gosh it, it, yeah, it takes me back in time for when I used to I used to do quite a lot of um, of webcasts uh-huh. and, uh, uh-huh. and webinars you know in in my early days and and uh, I, you know you think I, the first time talking to the ether and hoping there was someone listening you know you yeah. could see you could see you could see that they were there but you couldn't see whether they're engaged or not and that's a different thing altogether talking about engagement and ex- human experience. Mm-hmm. How how is technology enhancing our experience in business now? Or how how are businesses using tech to improve the the customer experience with them?
1: Well, I think here again it it comes back to you know this kind of both and of what's good and bad at the same time about the data that's being collected about the human experience, right? So businesses are are collecting an. Awful lot of data about every move that people make, literally and figuratively, right? If if you're in a physical retail space or a restaurant or something, that there's just as often as not, you know, sensors and and trackers that are are keeping watch over, you know, where people move within the store or Mm -hmm. uh, that sort of thing. And then that data, you know, is kind of the parallel of what's happening in terms of website analytics and. And pathing through different social platforms, and where are people going from one channel to the next? And I think you know the, the the big picture of trying to connect the dots there on the customer experience side, and be able to make a more seamless experience that um, that addresses problems that customers might have and gets them solutions faster. Like that's really good news. I think we're seeing uh, business being able to anticipate. More clearly, you know what what people are coming to them for, and be able to deliver it more readily and and with less kind of frustration and and less difficulty for the customer. The mm-hmm. flip side of that, of course, is that that's a lot of trust that the customer has to place in the business to do the right thing with that data. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, I hope that com- that companies are doing that, and I, there are indeed, of course, cases of overreach and uh, you know companies not doing the right thing with that data and not to mention that it puts the company in, in a very difficult situation of protecting that data as yeah. well and making sure that it doesn't get breached or leaked and, and become a liability to the company. So it's a it's a big mix of good and bad happening at the same time. But but I think what's really exciting about it is you know you think about things like chat bots, for example and yep. think about like maybe a bank and about how if you are um, someone who's just trying to do a, what might be a very basic thing like open a new account on a banking website um, it may have been difficult in the past like if you if you were starting to hit any kind of uh, difficulty with the setup process you might have had to call an 800 number and wait on hold and you know all this thing and and a lot of the chat bot functionality now can address The most basic of problems, you know, Mm the kind of 90% or 80% of the, the wide swath of customer problems that they encounter in these, you know, kind of foundational experiences and hit those right away. So people get their problem solved much faster and can get back on track, which is great yeah. for the business and great for the customer. And then what I think is really cool is the ability then, if the chatbot isn't sophisticated enough to be able to handle the nuances of what's happening in that experience, that that can transition to a human operator that can then take on the more nuanced question and help provide more specific guidance. And and you know, of course, that chatbot needs to be able to be to hand over the uh, the history of that engagement to the human operator so that, that there's not kind of this whole, I have to say it all again now kind <laughs> of thing. Oh, I was just about to right? sigh.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that, I think yeah. when it's done really well, we're seeing that those kinds of, of um, intelligent automations can really be good for the person as well as the business.
0: Uh, and there's some of them, I mean, just while you're talking there, I was thinking, you know, who who in my mind have I worked, well, I've had interaction with recently, he's been great. And, you know, I, I go on about Amazon, Amazon is great for lots of things. Obviously, we'd love them to pay a bit more tax in our country, but or tax in our country. But apart yeah. from that big bugbear, um, you know, they, well, anywhere, actually. Uh, yeah. but they're, uh, they're, But, you know, if you have a problem their chat system is seamless apples yet i used yesterday had a problem with the product amazing you know, the, these businesses do it very, very well indeed. Yes. Um, they can also spend a hell of a lot of money getting that right. Right. Um, and, right. you know, chatbots can be pretty average, can't they, if they're <laughs> yeah. poorly executed. Who have you seen recently, when the companies you're working with, who, well, big or small, it doesn't really matter, but who who are using technology in the experience area really, really well? Who, who would you highlight?
1: Uh, you know, I think there have been um... – there have been quite a few examples of of companies, especially during the pandemic, who have made very basic adjustments to, to their customer experience that aren't even very high tech, but are just more in line with, um, hey, we know that you have some problems that are very urgent right mm-hmm. now, and here's how we're going to solve them. We're going to um, make sure that you don't have to pay for this service that you might not be using right now Uh, or we're going to make sure that um, we get you in and using the platform and then worry about billing you later or we make sure you know there's there's just a number of ways that uh, I think for example my my gym that I use uh, sent an email early on in this uh, this pandemic that was saying look we know that you're not going to be coming back to the gym Mm -hmm. don't worry about canceling we don't want you to cancel. But yeah. what we we're gonna do is make sure that we retroactively credit everybody's accounts for the months that they couldn't use the gym. And so that right. but they made it clear we haven't figured out how to do this yet.
0: Yeah. This <laughs> what know? we intend to do. We're gonna yeah, do it. It was, it. Like, give it us, was like you'll give... probably
1: see this show up on your credit card statement, but don't worry, yeah. we actually we're saying right now we're going to go back and credit that. And I thought that was even as a low tech kind of customer service customer experience type of thing like it was so brilliant because it was like you know get ahead of the problem you're gonna Mm -hmm. have cancellations so yeah. if you can get ahead of it and say, we don't know how we're going to do this, but this is our intention and we, do, we I love intend to that. follow through
0: it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And you're going to remember it. I mean, we, people, there's a lot of good and a lot of bad going on at the moment. There's right. businesses who are absolutely doing the right thing. And there are other businesses who have been very slow to be kicked into having to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess we remember the good ones and we will remember for a long time. I hope that the ones who haven't looked after people, Um, I don't hope, you know, for the people who work there, that becomes a problem for them, but I do hope that they have to reinvent themselves in a more positive way. Um, and think about, you know, how you do really look after people and think about people rather than just trying to make a buck out of them as quickly as you can. Right. Um, you know, that gym thing is, uh uh if you know I, I, I talk about gym memberships as things that i would occasionally pay kate and then uh, and visit now and then to see whether <laughs> i'm actually getting any of my money <laughs> I mean, um, but there uh, there are there are some some very very good things going on we could you know we could talk about tech forever it's i uh, i'm a bit of a geek for this stuff anyway but it's what would you if i was to ask you for your your one big thing your golden nugget something that people could do today in their businesses to make their businesses better for today but also better for the years to come. What would that be?
1: Well, I believe that what we're all trying to do is solve human problems in some way or another. Uh, so focusing on solving those human problems at a really individual level right now is is really core. But then what happens as we as we get past the urgency of this crisis, of the pandemic that we're in, as this, I I hope that this episode will still be relevant, you know, in 2024, in the sense that if you solve human problems today, what you're actually trying to do in the future is solve human problems at scale, right? Mm -hmm. So just getting clear on what is the problem for a human that you're solving, and then how can you bring that up a level of abstraction to more humans solving human problems at a a larger scale and then focusing on making the human experience of that problem solving more meaningful in the process Uh, i think if if those two lenses on um how to engage through business and through uh to to the people that you interact with if those Mm -hmm. two lenses are what you bring to it i I believe you're going to be in in good shape for a long time to come
0: Kate fantastic thank you and thank you so much for taking the time today it's been lovely speaking with you
1: lovely speaking with you too thank you and stay well and healthy
0: and you and you I hope you really enjoyed this episode of the only one business show and I look forward to sharing your company again very soon if you'd like to subscribe please do so wherever you pick up your podcasts and in the meantime have a great day bye for now